Hey, welcome to the show today. Today, we're going to be talking to Al Lewin. He is a uh, great hydrofoiling specialist. He's been around for years and years and years. And if you do not know how to hydrofoil or you are great at it, we're going to go through super exciting tips that are going to kind of get you moving in the right direction and trying to achieve your goals. So how are we doing today, Al? Great, great. How are you doing, Trevor? And doing good, doing real good. I've been doing this for what? Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm only four years in. I know you've been doing this forever. So what is? Uh, what's the timeline? When did you start doing all this? When they started making these. So first time I saw an air chair was in 1991 uh, in the back of a water ski magazine. I went to a ski school later that summer, and they actually had one there, and uh, we tried it out after lessons, hot dog slalom skiing, and. Realized I could do this on the little lake we had on the little 90 horsepower outboard. That was uh, 31 years ago, and I'm still riding and having fun. It's it's one of the craziest things you'll ever see, I swear. When you walk or when you're riding around on the lake, when you see someone pass by, if you've never seen that, jaws are on the floor, boats are chasing you down the lake trying to see what you're doing. And then when you do some tricks like you can do, I'm, uh, I could imagine the people and the jaws that you've seen drop over the years. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, and you know, it, let's be honest. I mean, the, the showing off part is you know, it, it's what we all do it for, right? You know, it, yeah, absolutely. It's a good time. If it, if we weren't having a good time, we wouldn't be doing this. Absolutely. What uh, what is your go to trick? I mean, mine. I'm, I'm a little bit way more basic than you, but I'm ripping out there. I'm throwing a big gainer as close as I can get to the boat without making anybody you know uh, freak out or anything. So what, what what do you do when you've got the uh, you know the audience is there? So the, the gainers are fun. You know, and a tip for you is uh, start looking back at them because that's a good way you can actually see the jaws drop when you're upside down. You know, just make eye contact with them in the gainer. The problem but, is, is that when I get that high, I'm terrified. So <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I have to work on that, but I'm just terrified the whole time I'm upside down. Practice, practice, practice. Do you do so, the point? Are you a pointer? Uh, no, I'll leave that one to Fernie. Fer Fernie's got the signature, Fer Fernie and Tori had the signature front flip point. So yeah, the gainer, it's more just kind of look back and direct eye contact. Okay. Okay. So what's your, what were you saying? Your trick, your go-to is what? So the go-to would be, you know, either a big front flip because that's an easy one just to kind of lay out and, you know, eye contact the whole way through the trick, you know, and, and that one always gets a good rise and I can put up a pretty good front flip in just about any water. The other one that's always fun is uh, you know to bust out the KGB. So that's one that, yeah, you know, I, I think I've got a pretty good handle on that trick, and that's that's always a crowd pleaser. I you know I tell you it's kind of funny that when you get to meet guys that you've been stalking on the internet like I've done for years <laughs> watching all your training. I mean it's actually pathetic. You know this day and age with the internet, you get to like really fanboy it up. You know yeah, I can see all your tricks and stuff online, so it's kind of crazy to see that handle pass, I'm not really sure that I could keep my my thoughts focused to even do that. I don't even know how you begin doing a handle pass. What, when was the first time you ever did a KGB? Uh, uh, probably about 2010. Uh, Browns okay. River skiing with, uh, actually it was probably before then because I was back skiing with uh, Todd Kaiser for about four or five years. We had a good group of guys here in Texas and We'd ski between Austin, Dallas, and Tyler just about every weekend. Uh, so at that time, it was me, Todd Kaiser, Jim Serber, who are all you know very good riders. So we just kept pushing each other and learning. Then the community started growing here in Austin. So we had, uh, for a long while, about five riders, and we would be out two, three times a week. So between me, Matt Van Gilder, Clint McCree, Benton Travis, uh, we all really progressed then. And I think that's where I really started getting the KGB dialed. But that trick took me... 
somewhere about eight months to start getting them consistent and now, probably did, two dozen handles. Did someone actually do it before you or was everyone just trying to learn this on the fly? So first person who learned that trick or landed that trick and named it was Andrew Pilkington, who's also a phenomenal rider. So he's always a fun guy to watch ride too. Just rides a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of power. Uh, he landed it. Todd Kaiser was the second one to land it. I believe I was the third one to land that trick. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, when you get to the peak of almost a back roll setting and then all of a sudden the handle pass kind of, I don't know, it's it's an intense trick. Well, and that's where, I mean, if we dissect it, that, yeah, that that's everyone's you know, misconception. And that's why people, a lot of people go out and say, oh, you know, I can do a big back roll. I can get a KGB. But whenever you really break that trick down, the first thing that you realize and the first thing I coach people is the takeoff is different than a, than a back roll. If it feels like a back roll, it's wrong. And you can get close doing that, but trust me from experience, you get a lot of slack in the rope and you will cut a dozen handles learning that trick if you throw it that way. Well, let's, well, I want to get into some of these more advanced level tricks, but you know, the reason why we're here today, I really wanted to kind of break down some major pieces to this whole thing to help people excel. I don't really, you know, as much as I'm excited to talk to you, like let's get down to the nuts and bolts. And when you work with someone that is very inexperienced, let's say, let's get past the get up point. Let's get past those kinds of things. What is kind of that go-to coaching aspect that is very important to kind of teach someone that has aspirations for an invert, wants to do some of these upper level tricks? Is What, what, what is that to you? Well, and I, I'm really looking forward to getting into this and I'm really thankful for this opportunity to talk with you and kind of put some, some information together because these are questions that I get quite a bit. Or I'll get questions you know, at a higher level of like, hey, I want to do a back roll. What do I do? And I see the video and I go, first thing we're going to do is take a step back and work on your line control. Because what it fundamentally comes down to is line control. So that would be the first thing that I, that I talk to people about. A lot of times you'll see people, you know, and they go to jump or if they're riding, they've got the alligator arms in here. Sure, first sure. thing that happens when you load that line is your arms come out, then the rope snaps back, and then you've got, you know, varying line tension. So leaving those arms out, learning to jump, learning how to load the line is, you know, step number one. It's kind of actually more complicated than that may sound. If, if you're like fresh to this, you hear this, and you're like, oh yeah, straight arms. But what I've found over progressing over the last two or three years is you think you know what you're talking about. You think you got it. And then all of a sudden you want to go a little bit bigger and then you find out, oh, I, my arms were not that straight. Oh, I, I'm not holding the load how it should as I cut from side to side. It's just kind of interesting because I think that listeners should probably realize that even what you're saying as far as this is concerned, I would think that uh, what you mean by that is all actually a little bit more complicated. As you start you know, loading the line, it, there's different levels to that, right? Oh, it's, it's quite a bit more complicated. So what I would say is if, if you're new to the sport, Welcome. Welcome to your new addiction. Uh, trust yeah. me from experience. It's, it's a cheap. Lifetime thing. It's cheap. You're going to, you're going to like save a lot of money here. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah. You, you'll make the best friends you'll ever meet doing this sport. So yeah, welcome. Um, but learn to ride with your arms out first and foremost. I mean, before you even start jumping, I mean, if you're comfortable with your arms out and obviously, you know, if you hit rollers, things like that, don't be afraid to kind of absorb, but as you're moving, your arms should be extended because in any water sport, your arms are an extension of the rope. You know, the rope right. doesn't bend, your arms don't bend either. Well, so, it, what, one of the biggest things that I've felt, and, and you could probably explain this in more detail, but 
the idea that you you take the waves, you take the boat, it's really easy to use it in your arms, right? You use the lever to maintain your balance in that up and down motion. It's very easy to use your arms, but as you kind of move forward, maybe you've got some different tactics, but what I've noticed is it's way more in your back. You know, if you allow your your back to take that load with the line, all of a sudden you're able to keep straight arms. Does that make sense? Sure. And so, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's two different areas. So if you're just kind of cruising and following the boat, it's one thing, because at that point, you're really going to feel it this way. Now, if you're cutting and the line's loaded, then arms are out, arms are out, arms are out. Yeah. And that's where, cause I mean, having that line loaded and having your arms out, you're going to plow through the wakes and not change altitude. Do you have any types of drills or things that you uh, kind of walk some people through? Uh, I know on our lake, uh, I learned from uh, there's probably five or six riders, Josh and Chris Hauk uh, and, and Kevin and Carmen. A lot of these guys, they're all riding and they're involved in the community quite a bit. But one thing they've always had me do was you're doing huge pendulum cuts as fast as you can back and forth. Learning like, oh, the cut's over here a little bit farther out than what you're doing. Can you keep your arms straight all the way from left to right? Do you have any types of drills or things that uh, riders should be trying out if they're struggling to keep their arms straight? Yeah, especially because usually the first invert is a gainer. So the first thing to get, you know, before you can get a gainer is you have to get a good air jump. So learning where, you know, how hard to cut, how hard to go out uh, and the timing there is, you know, one of the first things that I kind of teach it. And, and that tailors into the arms out as well, because if your arms are in, I mean, you're going to be kind of cheating and you're going to pull yourself out wider. And then that causes you to square up abruptly. So you get kind of you know, a dip in the line all of a sudden. If you learn the harder I cut, you know, the wider I go, let the boat pull you parallel without trying to move your arms. That's where you start to feel, you know, that pendulum like you were talking about, you know, and that's key to getting the timing and the line load, you know, take off. Do you find yourself doing the same tricks? Uh, I, I shouldn't say same tricks, but do you find that the line load matches like the exact position of the, you know, if you want to do a gainer, it's kind of within like a five to 10 foot range. It's kind of a small little area, which you get maximal pop, maximal everything you're going for. Do you think that that's something that people should focus on more of rather than, Hey, you're going to go do an air jump, do an air jump in the same spot every single time and load the line. Right. Is that uh, something you talk about any? Um, thinking on that one for a second, um, because it, that varies quite a bit, right? Because if depending on your boat speed, depending on your comfort level, depending on your riding style, you're going to cut harder or softer. So what I try and get people to do is you really focus on keeping their arms out and back off their cut when they're learning something, you know, so is, for consistency, obviously throwing in the same place, same line load, same takeoff is you know, great because you're going to, you know, you, you get more comfortable. And then once you get more comfortable in the takeoff, you can let your mind go to more of the details on the trick. Okay. So more or less your, your focus is strictly line. If you're a newbie, come off your cut a little bit. Um, you know, you say that and, and I immediately think of all the disastrous inverts I've seen happen coming off your line. So maybe explain in better detail, I guess, let's say that you're learning your first invert or even your air jump out to the side. What is it about the approach when you're about to take off? When you say come off the line, that could mean different things to different people. When you come off the line, I've seen many times people square their board up and they're basically running even with the boat. And as soon as they load the line, they've got no rope. 
So where where is the sweet spot? Is it direction of board at all? Is there a, what what more specifically could you give someone that really doesn't understand come off their cut? Like what does that mean? Sure. So if you watch somebody uh, learning to gain or even learning to air jump, like you talked about. Uh, a lot of times what you see is somebody takes a very aggressive cut out from the wake and then abruptly kind of squares up with the boat. Right. So when you do that, you get slack in the line. Now, the proper approach that I, that I teach people is you start from just outside the wake you know, and then you make a gradual cut out. And I mean, the rope's only so long, so you can't keep going away from the boat forever. So depending on how hard you cut, at some point, the force of the boat is going to pull you back parallel with the boat. That's your cue to jump. So if you wait beyond that point, you're going to have to start leaning away from the boat and you're going to start putting more angle and more tension on your takeoff, which does some weird things. Uh, so cut out, per, you know, and again, the harder you cut, the wider you're going to go because you've got more force. But as soon as that boat pulls you parallel, you'll feel the line start to kind of let up. Before that happens, I mean, as soon as that line starts to go away, that's your cue to dip and go. And that's true for a big air jump. That's true for a gainer. Now, so what about when you what about when you're seeing guys go a little shallow? You know, in the 45s of the boat with max line load. You you know you see a lot of uh, takeoffs in that position, whether it be for a glide, whether it be for a big roll. So how do all these things blend with that? Is that universal for just a certain amount of tricks, or are you kind of suggesting at the base level that's kind of what you're suggesting? So. For certain tricks, I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, for glides, rolls, KGBs even, you want to take off on edge because what you need for those tricks is you want that line load to kind of set the direction of the trick. So those you do take off on more edge than you do for something like a gainer or for an air jump. Uh, an exception to that is, I mean, watch Kevin Thayer ride. I mean, that guy takes off. Yeah, he's still on a 45 cut when he launches now. That's another thing that we'll talk about line control is, you know, how you kind of manage that and not get swung in like crazy on that. But, you know, Ke Kevin is kind of an exception there and he throws huge, crazy big air jumps and air fronts as well. But for the most part, I mean, it's especially for gainers, first inverts, learning how to get you know, a good pop on the line is it's you cut out wide when the boat pulls you parallel. That's your cue to dip and go. And you don't hesitate because if you hesitate, you get slack, you're starting to lose speed and that just takes air out of the trick. So let's say, you know, you've got your line tension when you're cutting, right? Uh, any average rider probably is going to find that pretty quick, right? We go out, we slalom, you, you're understanding how to do that. To set up someone's ski, I find that there are so many variables with it. Do you have any suggestions of level rider meets distance of rope? meets the type of shim and how it sets your body on the ski. I mean, we've, I've messed around personally. I can't even ride a hot ski. Uh, for some people, they really like to lay forward. My back does not like that. I've found that I can jump with my legs an awful lot more. I know you, you kind of ride a little bit more forward uh, in some of your older videos for sure. I mean, you are laying on your knees basically the whole time. I could not do that. There's no way that my back can do that. Um, is there any, let's take it step by step. So if you're new to the sport and you wanted someone to work on line load, okay? And you wanted them to start learning to cut. What what kind of setup should they be trying to get their ski to be like? Does that make sense? Where should they be back position? If you're going arm straight, do you want them in a forward position so they need more shim? Do you want them to sit upright? How long should the rope be? How fast should they be going on the boat? Sure. Um, and me personally, I, I usually have people ride somewhere between, you know, 70 foot to 85 foot, you know, it seems to be where most people are comfortable on a rope. 
Yeah, so that's a good place to start. If you want to mess around with, you know, uh, shorter ropes, slower boat speeds, that's something. But again, you, that's where you start getting more of these dynamics. I mean, it, it's more of an aggressive line load. So 70 to 85 tends to be a good sweet spot there. And as far as lift on a ski, I wouldn't say, I mean, an easy thing to check is if you cut out wide and you're waiting out there, you know, cause it, like before you come in for uh, a, a wake jump or even just a double weight cut, you know, as you're floating out wide, if you're having to lean over and, you know, kiss the nose of your board to keep skiing in the water, you may want to take a little lift out of it. Now, exceptions being like, as you advance, I mean, so the way my ski rides and you know, to your point, you know, in earlier videos of me, ski was always way, way forward, but now seat towers are raked forward about an inch or two inches. And that gives you a little bit more leverage over there. So I can ride in a more neutral position now, but still get that explosive quick takeoff that I like. Uh, so that's one thing that kind of helps. So I would say sitting a bit more upright, you know, an easy gauge again is, you know, if you go out wide and you're having to really lean over your ski to try and keep it in the water, try taking a little bit of lift out for now. And then, then that is just for anybody that doesn't know, you can buy shim kits. So they come with newer skis now. Uh, what, what exactly, what is it? So let me ask you for, this will be a more advanced question. So if you're going out and you're doing one of your big, big flips, right? When you turn the corner, is there any moment at which you're not holding the ski down? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so as soon as the line load comes in, so the way that my ski is set right now, I mean, my wife rides my ski comfortably the way that it's shimmed right now. So it, it's not crazy hot. Now there's some people, uh, like, uh, I've been on Jake Bradley's ski and also the Narens. like it, it, it's, it's very hard for me to kind of keep those skis down, but that's kind of, you know, a different technique, you know, that, you know, some people refer to as the dark side technique where you're riding with, with foot pressure, you know, and that foot pressure kind of holds the ski down. So as soon as you let off on that, I mean, the skis really wanting to come up, which is, you know, great works for a lot of people. My style is more, I want to, I ride with a short wheelbase. And I use a lot of, you know, pull on my knees to get the ski to come up quick. Interesting. It's super cool. Cause it's, it's kind of one of those things that I feel like it, it, there's so many variables to find like your sweet spot. Um, one thing that I've kind of told some people that I uh, ride with and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've always found is if you cut out super wide and you come off your cut, if it's trying to come out of the water, I'm, I'm always like, I got to take this thing down a little bit. Is that a uh, general rule of thumb? Is that pretty sound to say? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of a, a good gauge for, I mean, is your ski too hot for you? And again, as you progress, as you're moving more, then you can put some, you can play around with putting more lift in there because you're going to be more comfortable, understand when to kind of get on top of the ski and how not to really overshoot the line and get slack in there, which is going to cause it to rise. So okay. to loop back to your other question, cause I did get a little distracted there. Um, whenever I cut out wide, you know, the ski's gliding, you know, I'm over the front of the ski. Now, as soon as I start loading that line back up, that line load brings that nose back down level. And at that point, I'm already starting to move my shoulders back. And that also lets you get back behind the ski a little quicker. So to, is there any point at which a hotter ski is a benefit? Uh, big air contest, or if it matches your style. I mean, some people I mean really like to ride with a hot ski and foot pressure. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good riders out there that, that ride that technique. But for me, I've just, you know, older videos. I mean, I, I would tend to lean forward more than I would use foot pressure. Right. And what, is there any indication at which you would be, you should make your ski hotter? Is it, what, what would that be? 
if you do a double weight cut and you feel the ski diving on you as you gain speed, then I would say put a little bit of shim in there. And an easy way to do that, uh, that I found, you know, it, the things like, you know, the extreme shim kit or the gurgler shim kit is great because they come in quarter degree increments. So you can go up just a tiny, tiny bit. If you want to do it on the cheap, then what you can do is use nickel dimes, pennies, and even better, if you have one of those souvenir pennies that get squished, those make a great, just small tweak shim. Nice. Nice. I like that. So um, put it in the back to take lift out, put it in the front to add lift in it. So, so if you got, if you're on changing the rake angle on that rear wing. So if that rear wing is angled down a bit more, it's going to pull the front of the ski up. So that's why putting that shim in the front of the rear wing will actually give it more lift. Do you ever use more negative shim if you're teaching a, a new person to get up? You know Absolutely. what I mean? Make it real. Yeah. So just kill the lift and just get them out of the water. It's a good principle there. Yeah. And if they're really struggling, then what you do is you just take a small piece of rope and tie it around the foil and that, you know, just down at the base of the foil, like, a, like I usually loop it around the T-bar and around the, in front of the rear wing. And that just gives it enough leverage to really pivot that thing down on the water. And then it won't lift at all. I've actually never, I've never tried it to know. It, it barely, I mean, you really have to fight it to get it to lift that way, but that's an easy way to kind of get, if somebody's struggling to get out of the water or you know, struggling to keep the ski on the water, that's, that's an easy technique to try as well. Well, let's get into some meat and potatoes here. You know, we got the, you know, best skier ever on the mic, you know, let's talk about it. Let's, uh, let's see if you, I know that there's a couple transition points. It's fresh in my mind. That is always kind of difficult to approach your first invert. So let's kind of go through first invert and then transition into that mean old wake just seems like once you're doing all these air rolls and, you know, doing things out to the side, that wake is just terrifying. So kind of like, can we walk through the process of you've got a newish rider that's ready to flip. They're pretty good at running back and forth. They've got some line load. How do you not die? You know what I mean? Like, how do you go out there and you get upside down for the first time when you start landing a couple, when do you go to the wake? How do you get there? Sure. So, and what I would say before you go out for your first invert and i know everybody i mean i'm guilty you know we all are like as soon as you can jump to things like all right i'm gonna flip it you know, yeah i mean i've seen yeah, other people flip that's... i can do this <laughs> so do that sure be safe wear a helmet make sure you've got you know buddy on the pin uh make sure you check your equipment you know before you go out and do anything especially if you're going to start working on inverts and uh another safety point there uh, a lot of the older skis that you may find, uh, if you're new getting into sport, just have rubber, rubber heel straps. Don't trust those things, uh, especially on an invert. It's easy to get pulled out of those and you'll end up getting pulled back through the tower and uh, you can hit your heels on things and then you're worried about where the foil is too. So uh, cinch foot straps, Malibu Mark bindings, uh, or, uh, some the of the pier one? ones, the pier ones. Those are the other ones. So yeah, those are three good choices there for, uh, rigid retention, uh, heel. And straps. you kind of blew, you, you blew through that a little bit. We, we should also say, what do you got? Bullet releases you could use the cinch yes. strap. Uh, you know, what, what other mechanisms are you using for releases? So bullet release is a great one. Um, it's actually made by a friend of mine, Benton. Uh, and that one is nice because it goes on any rope, goes on any boat. So you can take that with you. And what it is, is it's just a sheer pin. So if you get caught in the rope, the, the pin breaks, lets the line out. Uh, a cinch max is another good one. It's a Velcro based product. They've been around forever. We've all used them. Uh, and the high end of that is a Comtech release, which actually has a, a manual release as well as an automatic pressure set release. So if you're really into it, uh, that's, you know, that's the Cadillac of the release. 
Yeah, we, we've got all those things out on the lake, and it's kind of funny. You don't think you need it until you need it. And then when it pops, you're like, yeah, that was about to be really bad. You know, yeah. that was that was about to be bad. Have you ever seen, well, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen where you needed a release and maybe someone didn't have it? Uh, and, uh, Mark Lee, uh, Master Lee, at uh, Nationals in Denver. And, you know, we went out to ride, and you know, the first thing I noticed, like, oh, man, uh, Master Lee, you don't ride with the release on your ropes? Like, no, no, I never get tangled in the rope. And first trick he threw, he wrapped up in the rope. And, yeah, there's there's a great picture of it. And I think he was throwing a three, and there's probably two wraps on his foil. Fortunately, it was on his foil. And whenever he hit, I mean, it was, you know, bound up enough on his foil that actually snapped off the tower before any damage happened to anything. So. Oh, nice. That's lucky. I mean, I've seen some different posts and things where guys have got their arm wrapped up in a handle or, um, you know, I've been guilty of a couple wing yanks before just trying to learn offside stuff. But uh, I couldn't imagine seeing that rope spun around your T-bar. That that doesn't sound like any fun. No, that's it, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, learning tricks along the way. I mean, any especially anytime you're working on spin tricks, uh, 360s. Um, anything like that where you have a high probability of spinning in the rope, I highly, highly suggest you have a manual release and a competent pinner. What is it, what is it uh, exactly about the spin? I mean, I, I guess it's common sense you're spinning, but is there more slack in the rope or why has it become so much more dangerous? I, I kind of, you know what I mean? You, you're thinking through it. It's Well, with the 360, the, the, the tendency for most people when they first throw it is, you know, it, and the proper way to throw it. Let me, let me start with that. You know, just so the first thing you hear is the right way to do it. I mean, is you learn the jump drift, which comes back to the, this whole topic of line tension and what to do with your arms. And once you do the jump drift, all you have to do is pull and pass. And what that does is it keeps your shoulders level. The way most people want to throw it when they first go for it is they want to throw it with their shoulders. And when you do that, the tendency is to pitch off axis. And when you do, you end up pushing the foil up into the rope. Oh, so, so when, you, when you're when you're not doing it quite well enough, you're actually not on access is the issue. I got you. Right. And if you push on your feet, which a lot of people, including myself, you have a tendency to do on 360s, then it's real easy to push yourself right into the rope. Other tricks like KGB, if you throw that wrong, you get a lot of slack in the line. And when you land, you actually scoop forward and can catch the rope. Nice. Well, not nice. Sounds sounds terrifying. I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than a line loaded something in the flats or, or even that stuff right over the wake when you're super high and you know that you're, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're, you're on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the caveat to that is, you know, and you forget to turn the release back up and you go throw a big laid out front and realize it was set too low. So all of a sudden you're seeing this rope coming at you midair and there's nothing you can do either. Well, I have to say one more thing about the release then we'll get back where we were for anyone that's trying to learn those things. I, I would highly suggest, and this is probably common knowledge that people do, but I never did it. You got to shake that thing back and forth in a bullet release and make sure that it works right before you ride every single time. I was doing, uh, learning a bunch of front flips, beating myself up, beating myself up, beating myself up. Kind of my neck was not doing so hot. So I was like, I'll, I'll probably lay off these for a minute. I went to do a front roll, that pin broke, and it was just a simple old front roll. I didn't do anything crazy at all. Ended up upside down, you know, it kind of jacked me up for a long time. But what I didn't notice was it was bent. And uh, probably two months later, I was literally just riding around and I never even loaded the line because I wasn't doing anything in the air. My neck was pretty jacked up last year and the pin was bent again. It wouldn't slide through at all. And I would imagine it was compromised. So if I would have done something crazy, I probably would have had the same result. 
Yeah. And for, for that, I mean, I, I would check, you know, manufacturer's website, bulletrelease.com and there, there are instructions in there. Yeah. You got to read the instructions. Come on, Al, come on. Sorry, man. I'm an engineer. <laughs> we write the instructions. So, and the idea is you go out and you find which pin works for you. Cause I mean, you're a big guy. You're, you're not going to put, you know, an eight year old on the same, you know, bullet release pin that you're sure. Writing. Good point. So find the one that works for you that you're not going to fatigue right away, you know, because you don't want that to fatigue under normal riding. But I mean, as with anything, I mean, I, I've got, you know, an attic full of boards that aren't supposed to fatigue either, but you know, Oops. everything's got its limits. Yeah, sure. So, sure. Obviously check the pin, but uh, step one, find the right pin for you. So for you, I'd probably say you're going with a heavy pin because yeah, that was, it was actually a black pin. It was oh, a black okay. pin. Yeah. I, yeah. uh, so you're just really yanking on that thing. I guess uh, apparently maybe we should yeah. be talking about arms out for you so that you're not just getting that big snap load on there. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> that was last year. I wasn't quite really good at that at the time, but, uh, anyway, so let's get back on. So, so your first invert, what are you doing when you approach for a first invert? You've never done one before. Let's say you're ready for it. You, you've got the line load, you've done some air jumps, everybody's going to rush into it. So what is it that your kind of process is for that person to learn? Okay. So you're confident jumping out wide. You're confident jumping at the wake. Those are the two things. So I would say, I mean, if you can clear the wake, you know, on just a straight jump, then you've got confidence to kind of approach an invert at the wake. Uh, first invert usually is out wide. It's usually an air gainer. And the nice thing about those is you can you know, take your standard, you know, good air jump practice, you know, arms out straight, boat pulls you back parallel. That's your cue to dip and go. So you do some jumps like that. And then when you're ready to do that invert, you cut out and then instead of, you know, jumping, you actually drop the rope or dip, drop the rope and then grab the underside of both thighs with your hands. And then it's pretty much just like a backflip on a trampoline. So you're thinking about you're taking off and then you're looking over and pulling your feet around to follow you. It's not you're putting your head on the water behind you and then yanking your feet out because then you go and spin really fast. Right, right. So the idea of you have to get out of the water before you go, there's this kind of feeling that you get when you're riding this thing that you think that you know what pop is, even if you're doing the air jumps. But when you do your first invert, it's been a lot of years since you've done your first invert. It's only been three or four for me now. And I'll never forget the feeling of all of a sudden you just didn't jump. I mean, you go right back to square one. Okay, we're trying to flip, right? <laughs> and you kind of whip around and it takes a little while to separate that feeling of launch, flip. You know, it, it, it's uh, not an easy thing for most people. I don't feel like right away to feel that pop, the, the pop off the wake, if you will. Sure. And so to, to break that down a little bit, I mean, here's an easy way to think about it. When you do, and I'm see if I can get my hands in the shot here for this. Yeah. So when you do a jump, I mean, you're jumping here. So, and your seat tower is always going to be perpendicular to your board. Sure. So if your shoulders are in front of that seat tower, that's going to cause everything to pitch back over level. If you jump and your shoulders are behind that seat tower, that's going to make it want to pitch up and invert. So there's your difference. I mean, if you're jumping and you're putting your shoulders all the way back here, you're pulling into an invert so hard you get no jump. Right. So it's really a steep jump with your shoulders a little behind the seat tower. And at that point, once you clear the water, then you're looking over backwards and following around with your feet. And then you're not worried about anyway, in this mechanism, rope's gone. We're not worrying about anything. If you've landed back on the ski, when do you take that transition into trying to keep the rope in your hands? 
when you can come around. So it, it, let me back up and, and add one other point in here. So most of the time when people are confident jumping uh, just about on any ski, they're riding somewhere between, I'd say, 22 to 24 miles an hour. For your first invert, especially, I would suggest dropping the boat speed down. Just, you know, dropping the boat speed down a little bit, just take some of the over rotation factor out of it or some of the hard falls out of it. Be specific. So, what so, what speed? <laughs> so I learned to front flip at 16 miles an hour. Oh, nice. I was doing them at 23 and tried to break my neck. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk later about front flips. Cause yeah. that, that's another big question they get all the time. And I, I think we can, we can spend you know, a good amount of time just kind of breaking that trick down and how to do that properly and how to approach it safely. Yeah. That'd be great. So, uh, but for the first invert, I mean, somewhere around 18 miles an hour is going to give you plenty of time. And if you don't make the full rotation, that's okay. Because what you'll figure out after you throw the first one, it's like, oh, actually that wasn't so bad. You know, even if you land upside down on your head or if you lawn dart in a bit, the worst that you can do on learning an invert is to catch the nose of the ski and kind of get torqued back forward. Oh, so, yeah. The scorpion underwater. It's magical. I mean, yeah. you get all the magic stuff that no one gets to see underwater with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that is and those are the falls why I'm saying that make sure you've got, you know, you know that you've got trusted ankle straps because that's the one that will kind of pull you out of the belt a little bit. Well, when you're doing that flip, the one thing that I always struggled with in the very beginning was I kind of followed the same process. And I would think a lot of people do. You kind of get the boat speed going. I'm good at this air jumping thing. Let me let me get up around 23, 24. I'm getting some good air. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, now you're looking at other guys and you're like, what are you? Oh, 85 foot rope. Oh, that's how you go bigger. Okay, so now I'm on this 85 foot rope. I'm on an 84 foot or 80 foot rope and I'm going 24 miles an hour. These air jumps look good. So when you get to this point and you're going to go 18 to do your first invert, are you shortening the rope back up? Should you ride around a little while, like a couple days at that speed? Or you're saying same length rope, drop it to 18, go do your flip same for me, the way that I teach. And again, everybody's got different styles. Uh, same length rope, drop speed, go for it. Yeah. Go out and, you know, my approach to it would be if you're ready to do a dismount gainer, go out, take three air jumps, you know, make sure you're consistent. And then on the fourth one, you cut out dip and then drop the rope, grab the underside of your legs. And then as you're coming out, you know, after you leave the water, that's where you're looking over backwards. And what you're looking for is the horizon back in front of you. Well, if anybody was like me that's listening to this, I'm going to ask in a, a different way, maybe more specifically. Okay. So when I would run out and I would do an air jump, I would I would have some pretty decent ones. Like, you know, I'm like, oh man, I'm up here, right? When it gets to the point at which you can do something like that and you go 18, the water feels like molasses, right? You, yep. It feels as though it's very heavy. You can't move near as quick. I have to know that when you are getting to the point to flip, are you trying to load the line the same amount that you would have at that higher speed when you're doing this? Or are you saying, hey, you just crawl out there nice and easy and you flip it? Like, what does your approach look like for someone that can kind of run around a little bit and get some decent air and you're telling them to slow it down? They're going to feel like they've got chains attached to the ski. So what does that feel like at that moment? You know what I mean? So... Uh, I hear you. And that's a lot of people will say, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to learn it at the speed I reg that I ride regularly because it feels more comfortable. So, yeah. and kudos to you. I mean, if that, if that's the way you want to learn great, but there take 50% of your cut, you know, just take some of the power out of it so that you don't go so high because 
you, like most people, I bet you railed out there at 23 and went to throw your first gainer and you probably landed on the flat of your back after. You oh, I got house. crushed like nobody's yeah. business. I mean, I had a highlight reel of death and destruction that probably yeah. everyone has done themselves, but I'm not actually disagreeing with you. So, I'm more kind of trying to get the feel of it because if I attempt another type of a trick, I'm riding 25, 26 right now on an 85 foot, 90 foot line. Are you really just going out there in molasses? Is that the feel? Like you just cutting out there in molasses and you just, ugh, and you're just getting around. Like that is the feeling that these that you should feel, right? That's what you're going for. Well, so let's talk about a front flip. Have you have you thrown front flips? Many, many, many painful crashes. Yeah. Many, many painful crashes. Now, you want to learn how to properly throw a front flip. You drop that boat speed way down and you learn how to take off as steep as possible. And then after it comes out of the water, how to snap forward. And at 16 miles an hour, you can get that to come around. What length rope? Uh, that was, oh man, I learned a front flip and that was 95 so that was probably about a 70, 75 foot rope. Okay. Well, cause At I'm just, I'm a, miles an hour. So yeah, it, it, I think I even went more extreme because I hated not having a line. I had to have a line. I loved having a line. I like to ride 25 nearly out of the gates. I just like to have a heavy line. I'm used to slalom skiing. So I actually shortened the rope down to like 60 feet going 20 miles an hour, 21 miles an hour. And it was, it was a heavy line. I could shoot it straight up and I could roll around. I just kind of couldn't get the end of it right ever and it was always either a slide over rotation or i was a little bit short bouncing my head off my chest you know there was always those types of things that i don't know if i'll be even trying to front flip i mean my arm was numb for nearly like two months i kind of had a huge pinch in my neck and it was all jacked up see and heavy line is less forgiving so that's why it means slow the boat speed down take some off of your cut yeah yeah so uh and it that, that applies to a lot of things, not just learning tricks, but also progressing and getting your technique dialed in. So, uh, again, there's I'm, no, there's no, I'm wrong all on, answer. I'm all on board with your 18 though. I'm not, I'm actually, I've, I've accepted a lot of abuse and I'm just kind of trying to actually get the, the feeling or the idea of, you know, if you go out there and you're used to that kind of a line, you're suggesting you're not going to have that kind of line to learn your flip off of your huge wake jumps. Maybe you're doing you're going to feel a little bit sluggish. That's what you're suggesting, correct? Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that forces you to work and to, to think about the technique and apply the technique, especially with the arms out. Yeah. Uh, so, we've talked through, and so one, one of the things you, you, you'll hear me go back to quite a bit as we have these conversations, Trevor, is, you know, my big thing when I'm coaching is, you know, three things to remember because you give somebody 15 things to remember and they're going to go out there and they're going to forget, they're going to forget 15 things. Yeah, absolutely. If you say A, B, and C, they'll probably remember A and B. And then the next time they'll probably remember B and C. So there's this kind of triangle of things they're working on. And that triangle tends to get smaller if you've got three things to think about. If it's 15 points, it's hard to get all those to kind of come together. Sure. So let, let's break down this, this first invert and then we'll move over and we'll talk about the wake roll a bit. Yeah. So at a slower boat speed, you can take your same cut. So what you're looking for is that transition point when the line load goes away and the boat pulls you back parallel. That's step one, smooth cut, arms out, boat pulls you parallel, dip and go. So that's, you don't hesitate. If, if you wait too long, you'll feel the ski start to rise. And at that point, you've got to overcome that, bring it down and take off. Hands to the hip, hands to the knees, hands where you put in your hands. That's point number two. So um, point one, smooth cut out, wait till the boat you know, pulls you parallel, dip and go, don't hesitate. 
Now, as you take off, your hands are going to be at your inside hip. Now, a mistake that a lot of people make, and this comes back to the line tension thing, is people are pulling their arms in to try and pull their way into the flip. Learn to jump with both hands out. So you can have both hands out and have them close to your hip. I mean, watch pro wakeboarders, watch just about anybody who's proficient at you know, jumping in wake sports, their arms are always out. So arms are out. And as you're in the air, your hands are, your, as you take off, you're going to let go of your outside hand. Your inside hand is going to stay close to your inside hip. Now you're not pulling the handle down and this is hard to do when I'm sitting in a chair, even sure, sure. all this stuff sitting in a chair. I'll look, but, I'll look, I'll, I'll put up some clips and we'll, yeah. we'll be able to see some hands. So don't worry you, about that. As you start coming out of the water, it's more that your hips come up to your hand and then your hand stays there to rotate. So smooth cut out. Don't wait for the rope. Don't wait for, you know, as the boat pulls you parallel, you dip and go as you're coming up, that hand's going to stay at the inside and you're going to just shoulders back just behind the seat tower. So that that's going to force the invert, but it's also going to let you jump nice and high. So let me boil that down to point number two. So point number two, as you're taking off, you're going to drop your outside hand. Inside hand is going to be at your hips and you're going to throw straight back. Point number three is you stay tucked, you know, so lift with your knees, follow through and look for the horizon to come back around. So when you see that horizon, you're keeping your eyes focused on that. And when that does is that slows your rotation down so that you don't just keep spinning whenever the foil comes back in the water. It's a, it's a really odd feeling too. When you're doing your first invert, that thing that you're doing, you, your chest is still forward. It's one of the craziest feelings you'll ever have. And it, to, to stress the point more, it is literally that. I mean, it's, it's yep. not much more like you, the feeling that you have when it's new is okay. I'm in the air. I need some shoulders doing something. And that is literally that that's not it. Correct. Yeah. It's it, it, to your point. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I remember watching a lot of guys, you know, when we were trying to teach them new flips or even myself, it, it just never felt right to like hit it. And then that's it. Really? No, no. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. And it's a, it's technique. So some things to look for there. And yeah, you know, cause ultimately if you can start spotting yourself, then you're going to progress quicker. So easy things to look for is if you're landing, spinning to the outside, you're either letting your arm come up high or you're taking off with too much load or you're waiting too long. And then you're taking off and the ropes popping, which is going to spin you. So when so, you get upside down, do you, are you telling people when they're upside down that you need to really keep your hand by your hip, like focus on that? Cause sometimes you get really lost. I mean, it, it's like, you don't even know where you're at at all, but if you could focus on one thing when you're upside down, you know, staying a little bit small and keeping your hand is, is, is that what you kind of feel to be a, a successful tip? Yes. Because if you, you always, I mean, for the gainer, for one hand on, you're rotating around that handle. Right. So if your handle is out wide at your shoulder, you're going to have kind of an off axis rotation. If that handle is nice and tight, now arm out straight, you know, down by my hip, then you're going to rotate straight around that point and not get pulled out to the side. So keep it down, even though you're upside down and don't know where you're at. If you can focus on that hand, it'll keep you on access. Correct. And then as you're coming around, look for that horizon in front of you. And whenever you see that, I mean, just focus on that point and that keeps you from over rotating. Nice. And then how do you finish the trick? I know sometimes, uh, 
when you get good and you've been doing it a lot, you just land because you land. But, you know, whenever, I don't know how fresh that is in your mind of that feeling of if you've never landed it, like what is the end game? Where do your hands go to, to ride away? What is the last leg of the tip? So as the foil's hitting the water, now, if you've got your eyes on the horizon, I mean, on the gainer, I mean, that foil is going to come back around and it should, you know, hit the water pretty much level. And at that point, I mean, if you've got, you know, that handle at your inside hip as you're coming around, that handle is going to be coming, starting to drift back up as you're, you know, dropping into the water. So the handle's right in front of you and all you have to do is just re-grab. Now, do you, you uh, want, sorry, what you go don't ahead. want to do is, you know, if your hand's out here a bit, if you really try and reach over and re-grab, then that's going to pitch you off axis as well. So handle stays in close. So all you have to do is reach up. Right in your lap, you know, right. Yeah. Yep. That seems easy enough, but now after you land your first one, right, you've got many attempts. You've got too many attempts. You know, we've got a guy out here that's been riding for a lot of years. Kevin got a name drop. You know, he's been doing these air rolls forever. And once you get in that habit of just doing something you're used to, you're used to, you're used to, the wake is terrifying. So what do you do to take someone that's said landed 300 air rolls? How do you learn to do it at the wake now? Okay. So a uh, good question. So, and, and this is, you know, it slight you know, tangent here. So the motion for a gainer, for an air roll, wake roll, uh, and front rolls is all the same. The only difference is the handle position. So if you can see, okay, here, hopefully, uh, a gainer, you know, you cut out, you dip, you take off, that handle stays here. For an air roll, you're cutting out both hands on, and then you're just going straight back. So it's the same thing, gainer, back roll. You know, just having this other hand on is going to cause your body to torque. So you're still throwing straight back for a front roll. You'll be drifting into the wake. And then all you're doing is you're just shifting your hands over in front of you. I'm not pulling in. I'm not yanking across. I'm not throwing my knees. All I'm doing is I'm shifting my handle and then I'm throwing straight back. And that's enough to get it to pitch over. You make a, you make a really, really good point. I'm actually uh, guilty of this. I've been doing a slight torquey style flip and I'm trying to get into the fifties here. So I'm starting to re you know, critique how I do these things. And it, that is, uh, what I've been getting tips on is you're, you're doing this, you're not doing this. And as I've done them, it's kind of an odd feeling because once you do it straight back, you're like, well, why was I, why was I doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause basically for anyone that's not done a roll before, when you're racing out to the side of the boat or a wake roll of any kind, it's going to kind of pull you to the side unless you fight against that. So once it buckles your body, you can basically do a flip by torquing like that, or you can do one that's much more line loaded. That's straight back to your point. Yep. And this is, it, then this is kind of how you approach that wake roll. So if you got your air rolls pretty much dialed, or even if, if you don't, uh, if you've got a gainer down, because yeah, again, most people learn gainers first out wide. Now, if you, if you feel more comfortable approaching the wake and throwing a wake roll, again, it's the same thing, but you've got, you know, both hands on. So my tips for you there would be start wide, start as wide as you possibly can go comfortably. Yeah. And you camp out there. So you cut, 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 camp out there, wait. And then when that rope starts to pull you back in towards the boat, that's your cue to start going at the wake. Now, starting wide doesn't mean cutting crazy. So you can start way out wide and you can just glide in as slow as you want to the wake. Right. So if, the more you cut, the more line you're going to generate. But the key to the wake roll is you do not come off your edge. So we had somebody just come out and join us uh, for a set here in Austin 
last week. And, you know, his buddies have been telling him to take your wake roll bigger. You need to cut harder. So he was really, really railing in and he was pulling on his arms and kind of, you know, throwing himself into it and just destroying himself. So it's like, do me, you know, do me one favor, go out there, you know, start twice as wide, cut half as hard, leave your arms out and just act like you're doing a double weight cut. And you're pretty, you know, first one awkward, second one starts to make sense. And then by the end of the session, he was throwing his biggest wake rolls ever and with you know considerably more control. And that was just simply staying on your cut with much less speed, getting the timing right. Uh, that's where all that came from. Right. So we didn't adjust the boat speed. The only thing we did is, you know, half the cut towards the wake, leaving the arms out and throwing straight back. Because if you come in really, really crazy and you get scared, most people will kind of you know, turn towards you know, the boat just to take some of that line load off which puts slack in the line, makes you throw it over sideways and also kills your travel. So what is that transition to make it even more extreme? You know, if you want to get more air, you, you've got to generate that speed, correct? I mean, you, you do have to have that type of cut eventually, right? Yes. Get the technique. And then as you get more comfortable with the technique, arms out, because you'll feel it. And if you watch in videos, anybody who's really loading the line, if they're taking off with their arms in, the first thing that happens is their arms come out which, you know, again, causes that line to kind of pop and then come slack again. And when that either kills the rotation or it takes your control out of it and you end up over rotating. So what so, about the point of the board for this new rider? And this probably, this translates to everybody. When you're crawling in, I understand what you mean. You come out, you've got your slack moment. If you've cut out far enough, you know, it's lost a little tension. I get the tension back. I turn the corner. Is there any, any bit of a, a thought process in the angle of the board? Or am I trying to come at a 45? Do I need to get perpendicular eventually? How do you know that you've got the right angle? So start easy. Yeah, it's it's not a drift in because there, I mean, it's going to take you, you know, forever to kind of get back in the wake. But it, it's not a 45. Most people want to you know, really have that line tight as they're coming into the wake. The line needs to be tight. It doesn't need to be really bound up. I mean, the, the, the idea is to kind of learn that technique. So I would say probably, I mean, if you're used to cutting into the wake, you know, at a 45 degree angle, take, take half your normal cut, you know, take half your normal cut and start there and focus on leaving those arms out. And you know, the idea was starting wide and, you know, taking a lighter cut is, you know, if you're approaching the wake and you're still kind of on an arc, then that really does weird things to the rope dynamics. So if you start out wide and you take an easy cut, you've got a nice straight approach at the wake, which gives you a nice predictable takeoff. Okay. So that that's really what you're going for. So for step one, because I want to take this into going big as well, because once you can land hundred, couple thousand of them, it feels like over the years, there comes that point where you're in the mid forties and you're like, how do you get to the next thing? But for the first guy, you know, we're actually, we're, we're out there recently with Kevin. Kevin's trying to learn these flips. And I think that probably he is like a majority of people that have thrown an air roll, an air roll, another air roll. He's got the thing down, do it at the wake. And there seems to be a part of it that confidence is lacking just because the wake's a little scary. But if he cuts out all the way wide, any rider, you cut out all the way wide, you're kind of creeping in. At the moment of launch, there's pure terror in someone that's never flipped at the wake. You know, I've talked to many people. There's, it's scary. So what is that situation like in your body? How can you build more confidence in that moment? Where do your hands go? What, for someone that's done them before, it's not different. But for some reason, it's different. Do you have any like advice that helps that kind of a person just 
not get killed, but still rotate, you know, because most of the time, you know what I mean, though? Most of the time they come in there and they, they're either too hot because they're used to doing big wake jumps, so they're too soft because they're terrified. Then they come up and they're a dead fish and they get scorched because they don't rotate. You know, their hands are too high. They're over on the right hip if you're coming in. You know, they're they're not in the right spot. You know, what is it that you found success helping that kind of a person get that first rotation? Because, you know, once they landed, you've landed 100,000 of them over here. So you're going to be fine. But it's just a matter of getting them around. What is your tips there? Cut less. Less cut. Yeah. And so it goes back to the same thing. Because if you're used to taking big wake jumps and things like that, I mean, you want to rail in. But like you said, first time approaching at the invert, you know, you tense up, you get scared. So what happens is when people will come off their edge, and or and or they'll try and pull their arms in and when they do i mean it really causes it to you know kind of change the rotation and that's where that stall comes in yeah because if you take off and your arms are in and the rope pops and all of a sudden it goes slack well that's pulled you forward and you're halfway in your invert and then it stalls there's nothing to finish it leaving those arms out lets it kind of progress naturally i'm finding a trend here yeah. we're talking about arms again we're talking yeah. about not having them straights the issue line load it's interesting because it's kind of, you can get it in many ways. Like, you know, when you're doing air rolls or big air jumps, it seems as though it's easy because you've built them over a long distance. But there's something about that squirrely thing coming to the wake where I don't know whether it's the turn back that you get a little bit of slack and then you're not quite ready. So then you're doing too much. Or what is it that you do? That would be a great question. I find this happen to myself all the time. And I've talked with other guys. What is it about that moment when you are all the way cut out as far as you can? Say you're, you know, a pretty decent rider. You've done some big stuff. Um, you've terrified, you've crapped your pants. You've done all the things you've, you've got scorched. The thing that I find most of a struggle right now is when you get out to the corners and you want to come back. And you may have already answered this kind of sort of from what I'm gathering with line tension. If I come back and I'm trying to get more speed, I feel as though I'm so inconsistent with having my line right by the time I need to be jumping. So for that person that's new or an advanced, is it literally just the answers, the slower progression, just cut in there slower so that you have it right? Or how do you make sure you get the line tension on your way back right out of the gate? So... And it's not right out of the gate. So you, you kind of hit a couple of the key points as you were talking through that. I mean, step one, cut wide. You know, the wider you start, the more setup time you have coming into the wake. And that takes that, that weird approach out of it. So if you start wide and you take kind of an easy cut, then you have plenty of time to have a straight approach at the wake. And that's where that line stops doing all of this. And it's just nice and steady, which makes it a lot more approachable and makes it a lot easier to keep the arms out taking some off of your cut makes it not so scary to approach it. And so start wide, arms are out, easy cut in. Once you get that takeoff and the kind of, you start feeling that rotation smooth out as you get more comfortable, then you can cut more and more and more and start putting more power into it. And that's where you're really going to start kicking them up. But again, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, it's a lot less forgiving. So, you know, <laughs> put your football helmet on. You signing up for this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in there, Timmy. You know, let, let's go. Yeah. Let Let me ask you one more specific feeling. So think about when you cut out all the way. You cut back so extremely hard. Okay. If you are trying to get into these higher frame counts and you're trying to actually get the most amount of pop possible, when you 
initiate the cut back, do you already feel a loaded line or do you find it on the way to the wake? So they're in different styles. You know, some people do what they call the progressive load where, you know, it starts easy and then it builds, um, especially true in wakeboarding. Now, hydrofoiling, we're riding longer lines. We're out wider than most wakeboarders approach. So most of us, you know, most of the higher end riders, myself included, have kind of more of a snappier take at the wake. But if you watch, most of us, you know, we cut out there really hard and we're waiting for that line to start coming back. We're not turning back in immediately with a slack line. Right. Because then you've got to kind of wait and overcome that and let things stabilize. So if you just kind of camp out there, another tip, if you want to come back in quicker, bounce the board off the water, bleed off a little bit of speed just to get that tension back in before you cut back in at the wake. So before you aggressively or before you cut back your style, you have a rope in your hands. It's not jello. You're not catching it on the way in. When you initiate, you've got pull. You've already got a loaded line when you initiate. Is that correct? Ideally, yes. I mean, I'm not going to say 100% of the time because... No, just what you're shooting for. Yeah, So it's it's moving you forward again. The boat is pulling you again. You're you're waiting until that moment to cut back. Is that correct? Correct. So, yeah, I'm not turning... It's kind of like slalom skiing. I mean, you don't want to... You don't want to force the turn, right? Sure. You're letting the boat kind of initiate the turn back in. That way you are approaching with a steady line. Yeah, and I only ask that like that because... It kind of feels almost as when you're just most of most people that are into this sport, I feel like watch videos and try to mimic and and try to, you know, learn the best they can. But there's some of those little pieces of it that it's kind of a little bit of a disconnect. If I'm cutting back, am I cutting back without the rope or do I got to wait for the rope here? You know, like because most of the time you guys, you cut back so hard that if I try to do that, I can do that without a ton of line. But it's a little trickier if you already have the line. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like you pass the line and then it yanks you. And I'm like, is that what you're doing? And then, you know, hearing you talk about it, that's not what you're doing at all. You know what I mean? No, but I mean, time, experience. I mean, you start to know like, okay, I'm, you know, cut out, cut out, cut out, glide, glide, glide. Ski's rising a bit. As soon as that ski kind of starts to level off, I know the line's coming back. And at that point is whenever I turn and go. So Interesting. More technical detail. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. The, the more you ride a foil, and th- this is true with, you know, foils in general, I mean, be it sit foils, surf foils, whatever, is, you know, once you learn to kind of anticipate a foil, that that's when you really start connecting with it, you know, because if you're waiting for the foil to do something, if you're waiting for the, if you're reacting once a foil rises, you're too late. I mean, you have to know like, okay, as the foil's rising, I'm already kind of getting on top of it and telling it to stay down, you know, or as the rope's starting to come back, I'm already setting up my turn to go back in so that, you know, I've got, you know, optimal timing there. Sure. So since we're on big back rolls, the flip backwards, I feel like that's a tip that probably should be pointed out again, because the squirreliness of the roll, it's kind of easy. If you don't really understand what you're doing, you kind of forget that you're going backwards. And, uh, I don't know. I, I have you ever have you seen that much with people you're coaching and things? They they get a little twisty thing going on at the wake because oh, yeah. they're already kind of used to that, right? Yeah, and so and what that does is, I mean, if your shoulders are over here and you're not in line with the ski, you're putting power elsewhere. Yeah. So I mean, optimal power transfer is you're centered over the ski, your arms are out, and that puts all that power down in the foil, and that's where you get that big powerful takeoff. So the so, one the one scary moment, right, that these people that are trying to transition to the wake, or even if you're more advanced, when you hit the wake, do you feel as though 
your ski is angled at a 45 or do you feel like you're kind of you're not technically perpendicular to the boat but where is the proper launch angle if you're new it's what more towards the boat right and if you're advanced i mean are you literally perpendicular to the boat when you're trying to launch at that point, I mean, it's, you're going more off a of line load than you, or me, I, I'm going more off a of line load than that, than I am angle at the weight, you know, cause I'm, I'm coming in pretty much as hard as I can. You know, and yeah. And the other thing you'll see is, I mean, the more angle you come in with, I mean, you're also leveraging against the boat. So you've already got a lot more bind in that rope. Okay. Yeah. So let's say, so Let's try to say if you're a 45, 46 person, I've, I, I actually have not yet been able to go to many fly-ins at all. I, I was lucky enough to, they kind of hosted one in Kansas city last year and I got the, the vibe for it. I, I stalked this whole community. I really do enjoy it. I want to go to a bunch of them, but I got two young kids kind of can't really do that right now. But I feel like there's a lot of riders that are kind of in that window of like a 38 to 45. They're pretty good air, but that moment of like, how do you actually transition what gets you into these bigger air stuff? Is it all boat speed? Is it all line length? Is it what truly is that big jump that you get to get maximal potential out of your setup? Refining your technique. So step one, arms out. You know, we talked about that you know, quite a bit here, you know, so that you get that proper line load. The other one is getting your timing down, especially like for wake rolls. Like if you're dipping too late, if your foil is exiting halfway through the wake, I mean, you're missing a lot of the jump. Um, and learning to take off steep. So really improving your technique on your dip. So learning to push your feet and you know, it's again, hard to kind of see in the chair is, you know, like f- for a dip, you're kind of, you know, lunging forward and pushing the ski down. And what that does is it gets the ski going down and it also allows you to get your shoulders back behind the ski. So when it changes direction, it does so really abruptly. Then you can yank up on your knees and get a good steep angle out of the water. Is that feeling for you during a back roll very similar to like an air gainer? Because I've felt it many times on like a, if you're out there ripping and you do a gainer, you really have to use your legs to make the ski move. Are you doing a similar type of thing even at the wake, that same sensation of feet go down and you're making the whole ski pop like that? Oh, yeah. So it's pretty much this thing is... More or less, you're doing backflips on every trick. The handle is what makes it do something different. Yeah, and again, so, I mean, seriously, so it, it's, you know, not that, you know, you should never have an offside, right? Yeah, so l- let's just say that, you know. Uh-huh, talk to this right hand. I'll tell you, I got an offside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the jokes on the table there. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, there's plenty, that, that was a softball. I don't right? even know why it's attached to my body, to be honest. It doesn't like anything. So, um but let, let, so I'll, I'll demonstrate my right hand. So if I'm cutting out to throw a gainer on the left side of the boat, you know, I'm going to cut out, I'm going to dip, drop my left hand and throw straight back. My right hand is by my right hip. Now, if I wanted to go out and throw an air roll, or if I want to throw a wake roll, you know, I'm cutting my arms are, you know, my left arm is straight facing towards the boat. And then I'm going to dip and I'm going to throw straight back. You know, so same motion, you know, Gainer's facing here, one hand on. Back roll's facing here, two hands on. As you take off, that torque is naturally going to twist you. Now, for a front roll, let's say that I'm coming into the wake and I want to throw a front roll. I'm approaching, you know, with my hands kind of above my right knee. And then before I take off, all I'm going to do is just pull my hands, you know, over my left knee and then throw straight back. And that's enough just to change the angle of it that it's going to rotate over. 
Now I will tell you, you can do a front wheel, like a sideways cartwheel, as long as you really yank on the rope. <laughs> Great technique. So the other way to learn yeah. it, is, yeah. and the way that we actually teach people the front roll is just start five foot outside the trough of the wake. Drift okay. in. Just, so the more you cut, the more you have to move that rope. So right. for that, start five foot outside the trough of the wake. And again, we're, we're talking about, you know, going towards the left of the boat. So I'm out, you know, five foot outside the right wake and then just kind of drift in. And then I'm just going to throw a gainer straight back. I'm not yanking anything. I'm just kind of drifting in and then throwing straight back. And that will get you to just kind of flip over and land inside the wake. Really? I have yet to feel that I've been, I've probably done a hundred front rolls, but they're like extremely violent. <laughs> and you try cutting in, don't you? And then you, yeah, I come your... at it. Yeah. I'm coming at it. I have, I don't and then think what that... you do is you throw your knees to the outside so that you miss that rope. And then you take all the rope tension out of it and oh, you're yeah, free yeah. spinning in the air. And then you over rotate and smack yourself either on this side or that side. Well, I've been fortunate enough to not get crushed, but that's, I'm going to have to mess with that. Cause that's really interesting. I didn't really realize that it's literally a linear backflip with the hands i yeah, kind of thought just, there was more stuff going on to make that happen no so just uh, again approach it small don't start you know for, for this one you don't start way out wide because you right. want to really just kind of drift in and all you're trying to do is just throw straight back and go from the outside of the wake to the inside of the wake interesting you're making it sound too simple al you know you're really making it sound too simple <laughs> backflips backflips that's it yeah it's you know you know, gainers, back rolls, front rolls, all the same thing. So uh, a back roll or any of these things at the wake, if you're not getting those types of frames, what boat speeds do you have to go? You know, you, you see these questions all the time. Just put it out there. If you're trying to get in the fifties, what's the minimum that you're going? And, and I mean, like realistically getting there, not the most perfect bestest form you've ever seen in your life, but pretty good. W what kind of line length would you suggest? This is going to get it done. Uh, line length alone. Um, I mean, there's so many variables that go in. Sure, this. sure. I, mean, I understand. You know, even, you know, what seat tower are you on? What board are you on? Because if you're on you know, one of the older, like just, you know, you know uh, uniform layup boards, I mean, it, it's it's going to be a little bit spongier, which is going to take a little bit out. And plus, yeah, good heavier. point. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, good point. If you're riding a shock tower, that's going to, you know, take some out of there because they compress on takeoff. I mean, you, you actually get more compression on takeoff than you do on landings most of the time. So interesting. Yeah. So, so, so say you've got a newer setup somewhere in the last five, six, eight years, an LE 38 or better. Uh, you know what I mean? So generally speaking, uh, not too complicated. I'm just saying like, you know, probably what you're, you're saying 80, 85 foot line will get it done. Yeah. You, you probably want to be what boat speed would you suggest? Uh, I'd say most people, you know, who are really trying to kind of, you know, push their frame counts higher are somewhere between, you know, 23, 23 and a half to 26, you know, with the bigger wings, you know, we, we started to slow down, you know, back in the, back in the good old days, you know, the original <laughs> LEs, you know, maximum speed you could call in tournament was 30 and everybody rode 30. Really? Yeah. I did that. I have to say, I, I saw Brett speed, um, ride really fast trying to do a double front flip. I don't remember for yeah. sure if it was 30, but I think it might've been. There's not a moment in my body where I want to go 30 miles an hour on a ski. I mean, it's terrifying. I don't yeah. even like to ride my boat at 30 miles an hour, let alone be on a ski. 
So that would be crazy. Have you had done some of those at 30 miles an hour? I'm sure you were in the mix, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. I mean, we rode at 30 all the time. So, but those were much smaller wings. So, you know, higher speed gives you more pop. Right so now. I mean, my usual call speed is, you know, 25, five. Yeah. And if we're going out and we're going to do big air and I want to go, you know, punch out just, you know, a huge nasty front, then you all know, call 26, five or something like that. But most of that is still just all the rules apply. You, you've got to have your arms right. Just speeding up the boat's not going to do it. You, you've yeah. got to carry all those principles forward. It's not just speed up the boat and you're just magically going to get 50-something frames. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, if you're a mid-40s rider on average, you know, if your average roll, let's just say wake roll, because, I mean, that, that's an easy judge kind of you know across the board. If your average wake roll is mid-40s, dialing in your technique will probably get you another five to six frames easy. Yeah, you know, without yeah. changing boat speed, line length, setup, anything. Yeah, that's a it's a tricky business. That whole line load thing, the the, the straight arms. The the craziest thing about that is it doesn't matter who you watch ride. The odd thing about it is you watch someone that's really good, and then you watch their arms, and there's so much correction that's happening upside down. You know what I mean? So you think about someone that's never done a flip before and then you're like, well, I saw their arm move outside. Well, you know, it's because they were trying to slow it down because they way over rotated. But you know what I mean? You see all these fundamental principles that people that are really, really good at it. It doesn't always translate always back to the fundamentals. So it's pretty cool to hear you kind of break it down in a way that's like, no, no, this is what you're trying to do. <laughs> it's very simple, very linear back rolls well, let the rope change you you know what i mean the rope's going to do that yeah and if you do have a tight line it gives you that opportunity to correct i mean if your line is slack in the air then sorry charlie i mean you're you're at the mercy of how you took off you're at the mercy of you know which direction you're headed you know at best you can kind of open up and slow your moment down or you can tuck to get it to spin a little faster you can't change direction if you've got a slack line right one thing that i find very challenging for myself personally is the idea of uh, bringing your hips to the rope in a sense, rather than, oh yeah, I can get him there. Yeah, watch, uh -huh. watch this. You yeah, know what I mean? You see what you did with your arms there. Th that's so, what I mean. I can get yeah. it there, and it's kind of funny because it, the more I've um, kind of here and there had one or two, and then listening to you talk about it, that's where most all of the bigger stuff is. Is you have to learn how to keep the rope, which is it's very technical. It's not as easy as it seems. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially if you're used to throwing big stuff by kind of yanking. And it's like, well, I can get mid 40s by, you know, cutting hard and then yanking my arms in for me to tell you, okay, now go out there and take half that cut and leave your arms out. And it give and, you the same result, or yeah, if not better. Yeah. So, and then so smoother and as high, if not higher. And then once you get that, then, okay, now go back to your regular cut and see how that feels. Do you have any triggers at which, um, I've heard this line before where it's something about kiss the bubbles or whatever. Is, is there anything that you utilize to set up your timing to hit the wake just right? Something that you use on your approach? So I think the best advice that I was given, like, because once you ride a while, you kind of just, you start to understand that timing. But if you really want to squeeze every ounce or every frame you possibly can out of your setup, uh, I think it was Ben Fernie that told me this. You said dip half a second earlier than you think you need to. Yeah. And obviously I, I think mean, I need three. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and the key obviously is, I mean, you, you want to get as low on the foil as possible so that you get, you know, that full ramp up, but you don't want to slap that board on the water. Cause then it's just bleeding energy off. Right. Yeah, and you certainly don't want to hit, you know, punch the wake with the board because that just it, it takes all the energy out of it. It also changes your direction.
Yeah. You, then you get crushed. Yeah. I yeah. got one of those last week. It was quite lovely. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, and just cut at it harder. And it's just, that didn't work so good. <laughs> got the old uh, relaunchy flip thing. You know, you want those uh-huh. in slow-mo. Those are the good ones. What's the worst? You, you, you mentioned uh, the craziest line wrap-up. What's the uh, craziest wreck you've ever had? Um, there's been a lot. <laughs> I, I, I saw a video of you um, a couple, uh, I don't know when I saw it. It's been a while, but you had some insane KGB that was extremely high. You kind of lost it a little bit somewhere and your board snapped in half. I don't know if you've seen that video anytime oh, recently, yeah. but it was probably a long time uh, ago. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. How did that feel? Was it miserable? Was it a terrible impact or did you get lucky? Uh, scarier than anything. So yeah. You know, because, I mean, I've had a lot of boards breaking, you know, and anybody who's done this a while, I mean, boards break, nothing lasts forever. I mean, you don't make a Formula One car to go. I mean, if you're driving something that hard, if you're riding something that hard, it's going to break, you know, so just it's just something to kind of expect. And if it's something you're really, really worried about, then preemptively change your gear out, which is what a lot of us, you know, higher end riders do. Um, but that board fortunately stayed together. So my biggest fear is, you know, whenever because they, they usually break on takeoff. That one broke on landing and immediately just kind of recoiled me back into the air into that, you know, crazy uncontrolled backflip. Right. So I'm pretty sure if you look at that video in detail, you'll see what I do is I take my arms and put them underneath my legs in case that board completely snapped. So it would hit my arms rather than anything soft under my legs. So yeah. it's, it's just air awareness. I mean, you, you do this long enough and you, 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 especially when things are going absolutely wrong, know where you are, know how to fall. What's, so, what's the tip? What's your go-to? I, so, I have a, I have a fetal position that I've been utilizing. Yes. So yeah. uh, let's see your fetal position. You go first. Well, I tell you, I, I actually think I need to adjust it, but I just hold my head like this and I try to get in a bit of a ball, but sometimes I land so much upside down that I feel like I'm ripping my own head off. So I'm thinking that I need to uh, bring it upright a little bit more, but I don't know for sure. No, I try not grab, to test it much. <laughs> grab the back of your head and pull your chin in. And that keeps you from ragdolling. So, so you do want to just pull the chin down. Yeah. Okay. Cause I've done that a couple of times, but that was my injury. My injury was hardcore whiplash. So when I've landed kind of upside down again in that scenario, I'm like, yeah, do I really want to be pulling this puppy down? You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, I'll take your advice. I've seen some of your crashes. It looks rather, uh, <laughs> so especially if you know, you're going to, and after a while you, you, you kind of get to know it's like, Oh, I have no idea where I am at this point. So, you know, look for the horizon and that way you can at least kind of gauge which direction you're going. Cause if you know, you're going to go sideways and that's when you're really kind of, you know, pulling in to keep your head from, you know, whiplashing to the side. Did you, have you had any crazy neck stuff that made you start doing that? Um, well, uh, just time on seed. I mean, you know, sure, sure, eventually sure. something happens, but I, I think probably one of the craziest falls I had was, uh, uh, in a tournament. Yeah. And I was, you know, full rail cutting out to throw a big air KGB. And then I came out the second wake and just disappeared, uh, just gone immediately. Just, you know, ski glitched, went in the water and, uh, hit my hand on the tower. Or so I thought, you know, and came back up and they're like, are you all right? It's like, Whoa. yeah, you know, shook that one off. And it's like, yeah, my hand hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I must've hit it on the tower. It's like, all right, let's keep going. So pick back up and ride and make it down the course. I was like, all right, let me get that KGB in now. So I go out and throw a big air KGB and I landed with just this hand on and I actually felt the metacarpal separate. It's like, Oh, Oh, you, you really jacked something up. Yeah. So it turned out that on that fall, just going out the second wake and just scorpion and just immediately that, you know, I, I found Nemo on that one. 
Oh yeah. Uh, and just the force of it, you know, pulled my finger up and pushed back in the metacarpal and, and fractured it. And, uh, Jeez. I kept riding and, uh, it separated. Fortunately, that one was a, a straight break and no surgery. So it's crazy. Was, yeah. Not, a, not in the middle of a KGB or, you know, crashing on KGB, but just doing a double weight cut. Oh yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I almost think that those are the worst. I, I tried to get into riding faster. I was a big slalom skier and riding on two skis and jumping the wake all the time. That was kind of like how I grew up and what I was really into. And I wanted to go fast because the feeling of flying is just unbelievable on this thing. You know, when, when you first get that first air on a, on one of these chairs, it, it's the craziest feeling ever. And I just love to rip back and forth. And I remember multiple times wasn't great at doing elevation I mean, wings peak, just buried scorpion. I mean, it's so terrible and, uh, not quite that, but you know, when your eyelids and you can't breathe out your nose for six months, I mean, there, there's some real ramifications or some things you got to deal with, with one of those. Yep. Yeah. So learning tricks progressively and slowly. I mean, it's, you know, it's the tricks you, you, you that's when you're expecting it. That's when you know to kind of cover up. It's those unexpected ones whenever you just really get smoked. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, uh, the air or wake jumps, I had a big run in with wake jumps too. When you would, I, I was told one time to look at the horizon when you did a wake jump, cause it helped you kind of quit falling forward. That helped me a ton. I, I got on someone's ski one time that was super hot, came in there thinking I was going to just ride. Like I always rode, hit this thing. I think I did like a full nose dive. My pinky freaking touched the back of my wrist and jacked it all up. And oh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff you could do on these things, you know? Yeah. Anytime you're on a new rig, I mean, shave off a mile an hour or two or just back off 50% of your cut, feel it out first. Yeah. So, do you have a go-to with that? Like if you got on a new ski, do you have like a little routine you do or that's just your advice? Slow it down a little bit, get a feel for it first air jumps, you know, double weight cuts, air jumps, make sure the ski's stable, you know, just uh, kind of feel it out. And then, uh, yeah, you know, 50%, you know, go into a back roll, just feel it out. And then once you're comfortable, then, then wail on it. Right. No, I mean, I get it. It's uh, getting on a new rig. Sometimes you think it's going to be, uh, everything's going to be better. You know, if it's a better ski, it's got bigger wings, things are going to happen. It, what I wanted to ask you when you rode 30 miles an hour on small wings, right? And you get your air. Does the the feeling or the sensation is it exactly the same as getting uh, a newer, higher end ski and then riding at twenty five? I mean, air's air, right? Or is thirty miles an hour just terrifying no matter what? Uh, it wasn't back then. Now, I mean, I get anywhere close to that, you know, on these bigger wings, and it feels really terrifying. But right. Um. So I, I think it, it's you know air's air. Yeah. Right. If, if you're on the smaller wings and you know full Ricky Bobby, then yeah, send it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, I know that you have, uh, you know, a lot of your front flip is one of the coolest to watch. I think I know there's a lot of people that do, uh, different versions of it and things, but I would love to hear your take on how to learn a front flip, how to not kill myself when I attempt it. Maybe one day, if I decide that I have the kahunas to do it, but, uh, I mean, your front flips are just insanely large and in charge, if you will. So Appreciate when you, it. yeah, when you learn a front flip, did you learn them in the air first or at the wake, like off to the sides? What, what truly, uh, you know, what, what do you suggest? What do you, what do you do? Actually, the first time I learned a front flip was, uh, with Mike Murphy after the, the day after the first ever air chair worlds back in 1997, I believe, um, small private lake in Northern Colorado. And, uh, instructions I were given were, you know, start wide, take off really <laughs> steep 
throw yourself at the water and miss and miss and miss that's it, it. That, i mean that that was murphy's instructions to me on how to throw wow. a front flip wow but, did you go out and execute exactly that yeah i did and at 16 miles an hour i made three quarters of a front flip oh nice old school it was it, the skyski wasn't even around then it was you know one of the old school like flame board air chairs so but progressing from that to you know a 56 and a half frame front flip which is i think one of the, the highest ones i've thrown so I, it's the biggest front flip right now i think is you know somewhere between myself shannon pope and jake bradley so i think we're all 56 56 and a half frames but that transition from learning the front to throwing them you know to the moon as high as you can that's a it's kind of a longer discussion so um I tell you what, why don't we, uh, we'll set another one of these up and, and we'll talk through getting a front flip going. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, we can, uh, go into front flips and some of these other tricks too. I'm sure a lot of people would love to know how to do some of these advanced level tricks. So we get into a couple more of them. You got any, uh, I know you got an awesome thing going down there in Austin with lessons and things like that. Do you want to plug any of that kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah. Uh, here in Austin, we've got a uh, Austin foil Alliance going. So we are, you know, uh, full service center. We can help you out with sit foil, surf foil, gear, lessons. Uh, we're even starting to dabble with uh, wing foiling as well. So if you That's haven't seen that, cool. check that out because uh, tricks on the wing foil and the tricks on the sit foil are really starting to look similar. So I think we're going to see a lot of crossover from these guys soon. Oh, that'd so, be awesome. And the whole thing that we're about at Austin Foil Alliance is, you know, we don't care what you ride, surf, sit, brands, whatever. I mean, it, it's all about foils. Foils has always been something that's just so people and family and, and friendly centric, you know, fun centric, that that's really what we're trying to, uh, you know, you know, foster here and, uh, you know, and, and keep having fun while we're doing it. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've seen some of the lessons you guys post that clip, you know, just had a little lesson, uh, the other day, I guess with a, with a rider and it's pretty crazy to see what you can do with a little bit of time and trying to help someone out individually. It, it can go a long way. So I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get this thing stuck together so everybody can see it and we'll have to get a, get a, you know, together sometime soon and we'll go through these front flips and some of these other tricks. Thanks cool. for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, check us out Austin foil Alliance on uh, social media or atxfoil.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time, Trevor. And I really enjoyed talking with you. Hey, you bet. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.